0: Welcome to Rise and Shine, raw chats with real women in Australian small business. In each candid conversation with a small business owner, we'll explore the messy back end of business with heaps of golden wisdom to help you learn, grow and live your truth. I'm your host, Rachel Green, SEO copywriter and founder of Shine Copy. Let's do it. In today's episode, I'm chatting with Darby Linden, brand and content strategist. She loves helping small business owners who have left the corporate world to serve others in their own special way. Hi, Darby. How are you doing?
1: Hi, Rachel. I'm good. How
0: are you? Um, very well.
1: I'm really excited. I've been binging your podcast since I, since I first found out about it, so enjoying it.
0: <laughs> oh, awesome. That's great. I mm. was like stalking around on your website, and I saw that you <laughs> offer an interesting service. So brand strategy, brand management, which I imagine lots of people are familiar with, but brand therapy. That is like, <laughs> I'm so curious. Talk to me about that. What is mm. brand therapy?
1: Yeah, so that's my latest kind of service offering that I came up with because I feel like, you know, with marketing and brand strategy, so many people just feel overwhelmed, confused. It's just a world that a lot of people don't love, Mm -hmm. which is great because I love it and I can help them in that way. But I was thinking about how I can help small businesses without having to do a one-on-one project, which might be too much of an investment for a small business, or they might not need the full strategy, but they just have a kind of a pain point or a hurdle that they're struggling with at the moment. So maybe it's their messaging isn't connecting, or they don't know how to show up on social media, or they're struggling to understand their target audience or whatever it is. Um, So being able to jump on a call with them and sit down and really flesh it out and look at what they're struggling with, you know, how we can get them from where they are now to where they want to be in kind of, and yeah, looking at it, as a brand therapy point of view, being more of a, you know, they've got this problem on their chest. They just need to get some help and support from someone who really knows what they're doing and who can help them through that with and make it easier and smoother and um, yeah, make it flow easier on their end rather than it being an overwhelming strategy, you know, Excel document or whatever it is that a lot of marketing strategists can provide. But sometimes you just need someone to talk it out with, which is why I am testing the brand therapy offering. Yeah,
0: that's cool. It's kind of like, I don't know, the the major risk was changing from like corporate world to this. And now I guess you take small risks by offering new services and kind of testing it out, right?
1: Yeah. And that's what I'm a strong believer in testing and learning. And if it doesn't work, then that's fine. We can change it up. But you know, if you've got a set of skills, being able to help People where they need it, and for me, I saw that was a little a little gap and something a unique way to kind of offer my services compared to what other people are doing. So we'll see how it goes. But again, it's all it's all very fresh, and I'm I'm just excited to get into it.
0: Yes, I think that's the key. Like finding things that other people aren't offering, or offering maybe the same thing, like at the foundation, but in a different way or with a different delivery or something else. Like yeah, I came to a point where I offered. SEO audits because I saw other people in the broader SEO space doing that. And I thought, oh yeah, I can do that too. It's another service, another way to connect and more of an entry level thing because SEO copy is an investment Um, and it was a cheaper kind of price point. But then I realized like after doing them and launching it and doing, I don't know, maybe 10 or 15, I'm like, actually, this is a drag. Not really what I want to be doing. And then I'm kind of questioning like, why am I doing this? And what does it bring? Like I can see it brings value to... My clients, but what value does it bring to me? And is it worth my time? And am mm. I feeling any joy? And I kind of realized, no, I really don't want to do this. So <laughs> I just retired the yeah. service. So yeah, it's totally the thing you do. You try things out, you tweak them maybe, and yeah, if it's not feeling right, then ditch it. That's allowed. Yeah,
1: yeah, and like you'll never know until you try it as well. Like otherwise, you might be thinking about it for years and be like, oh, I wish I did that, but you won't know until you try. So yeah, a lot of just putting stuff out there and learning and experimenting, which I think is is fun for a lot of business owners.
0: Yeah, true. Or you could maybe test it out in like a smaller um, way with as like a lead, like a, a lead magnet or a tripwire or something, because then it's maybe a smaller scale thing and it's a free product basically. Um, and there's less involved and then you can kind of yeah. get a feel for it before you launch a full thing that brings income I guess
1: yeah yeah Yeah. and I guess you know over time you get to learn who your audience are like on a really deep level and you start to get questions like you might get questions about audits and everything like that which might make a decision a bit easier but then again it comes back to what you enjoy and what you love to do because um yeah you don't build a business to do the things you don't love to do
0: (laughs) yes that's exactly right and if you (laughs) are hating it then you're going to be questioning well should I be doing this anymore
1: yeah yeah (laughs) 100%
0: (laughs) Do you think we all need brand
1: therapy, all small business owners? Um, no, I actually don't. I think with brand strategy in the first few years, it's important just to yeah put yourself out there, test and learn, see what you like, what you don't like, as we were just talking about, who you want to work with. You know, you, you need to kind of do that that experimental work before you get a strategy in place because it's hard to know where you want to be if you don't have that vision yet. And I know a lot of business owners you know, they get to the point after a couple of years of experimenting and learning, they're like, oh, you know what? My brand isn't isn't where I want it to be. But without having those learnings, it's hard to know exactly where you want to be. So I don't think it's necessary in the initial stages, unless there's something that's really blocking and a brand therapy session, for example, could, could help with that. But the full strategy, I think you need to really do that learning and exploration phase before you can set yourself up for where you want to be in the future.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And mm. I wanted to ask you about content creation because I know that's something you're really into, rightly so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's a major thing for any brand. So could you unpack a little bit, I don't know, content creation.
1: Definitely. And again, this is something that I get asked a lot because content creation, there's so many channels out there these days and now videos becoming really popular and obviously podcasting, there's so many different ways that brands can connect with their customers. So this forms part of, you know, the final stages of a brand strategy. Once you figure out who you really want to work with, you know, what your unique selling point is, what your brand personality is, it's then about creating content that connects with your target audience. And a lot of people think it's just Instagram, for example. But there are so many ways to create content in smarter ways that can reach more people and repurposing it. So the first thing that I always talk about with content creation is coming up with content pillars. So that means for your brand, uh, really breaking down your area of expertise into themes that directly relate to how you help your customers get from A to B. So I like to use a personal trainer example because that's always easy for people to relate to. But, you know, say there's a you've got a personal trainer who is helping new mums um, get their confidence back after having a baby. It's thinking about what are the different areas that they need to hear and that you're an expert in. So it might be, you know, home workouts for, you know, those couple of months after having a baby where they're not ready to go back to the gym. It could be the mindfulness element of it and really making sure your mental health is supported as well as your physical health. Or it might be, you know, creating easy meals when you're when you're busy or stressed. So kind of breaking it out into themes like that, that then lead into what the service offering is. So maybe they have a recipe book that can also be downloaded online, or maybe they offer a paid home workout service that links back to the content that they share as well. So that's just an example. And then, you know, that compares to a personal trainer who might be helping young athletes run a marathon where they'd be talking about training tips and dieting and a bit more hardcore content compared to the first example. So it's really looking at your brand and your audience and what are the key themes that you want to be talking to. And then it's about actually creating the content, which is the hard part for a lot of people, but how I like to do it is picking one theme or one pillar for the month or the fortnight. However, you like to create content, but usually for the month. So it could be, for example, if mindfulness is a content pillar and then looking at what longer form content can you share around that topic. So it might be a blog post or a podcast episode where you dive deep into a topic around mindfulness. And then from there you can create, you know, Instagram content, Facebook content, Pinterest, LinkedIn, all of the things that kind of capture short chunks of that long form content. So say you have in your blog 10 mindfulness tips, you could then break them out into chunks of content to share across Instagram and stories and everything like that. So it's just making sure that when you create content, you're not just spending an hour on an Instagram post and then it disappearing into the world, like trying to repurpose it in ways that are going to get more eyes on it across different channels. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I love about content is making sure that business owners are being smart with what they're doing and really creating content that aligns with their brand and what their audience wants to hear.
0: Yes, it's about uh, cross-pollination, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> so I guess, like I, re- I think I read this somewhere recently and it, it makes sense. It's just if you don't sit there and think about it, you're like someone does and you're like, oh, yeah, so to do it, um, like creating a hero, having a hero platform or like a hero piece and then you take bits of it and put it across your other marketing channels. Is that right? Yeah. Is that the smart way of doing it?
1: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, that hero content channel, is different for everyone and what they prefer. Like a lot of people love to write. So a blog might suit that. Other people like to talk. So a podcast might work. And different channels suit different personalities. So I think it's, again, it's exploring what works for you and where your audience are because obviously you don't want to be hanging out where they're not hanging out. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely focusing on that that hero channel and then flowing on from there.
0: Yeah. So what are your content pillars? I'm going to put you on the spot here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So a lot of mine focuses around brand strategy. So brand perception is a big one and helping people understand that, you know, branding is all about the art of shaping the way people think and feel and how they talk about your brand as well. And brand personality is a big one as well that I get because a lot of people ignore the importance of it. And actually, and I know through copywriting as well, as you're aware, tone of voice and everything like that is really important in connecting with your target audience on another level. And then the other side of my content pillars is the marketing and the comm side of things, because once you have your brand strategy in place, actually, how do you get it out there into the world? And that's why we're talking about content as well, because it is important that you're not only aware of the strategy, but also putting it out there and sharing it with whoever needs to hear
0: it. Yep. And what about like evergreen content? How do you think that should fit into someone's content creation? Yeah,
1: I think evergreen content is super important, especially for channels like blogging and Pinterest and Google where people can search for content at any time. And for um, context for the listeners, evergreen content is content that um, can hang around forever and it's always relevant. It's not, you know, a news item or a trend that's happening, but something that can stay on your channels and be relevant for a long time. Um, So, yeah, obviously I think evergreen content is super important for building a brand and also getting your thought leadership out there into the world as well, not just talking about what's happening right here, right now, but talking about, you know, ideas and and thoughts on topics that are really important to you that resonate strongly with your brand. So I think it's, yeah, it's definitely important to be having a mix of evergreen content and topical content at the same time. But yeah, it's definitely a a way to strengthen your brand and strengthen your, your voice as well.
0: Yeah. I always like, I think thought leadership, that concept is talked about a lot, but I just wonder like, small, is it relevant for small business? Because sometimes you just feel like it's just you working at home in your office and that's it. Like leadership seems so, I don't know, high level. What do you think? I know.
1: I think it's just a scary word that um, people have issues with, but like in my eyes, I don't think of it as being a scary thing. It's more so for me about choosing what, what relevant ideas that you want to attribute to your brand. So say you're, A social media manager. It's, you know, maybe your thought leadership is around, you know, you don't need advertising in the first two years of business. And it, you know, or maybe in order to be good at advertising, you need to have strong organic content. So coming up with your like key opinions about your industry, which it doesn't mean you have to become a global superstar on those topics, but just knowing what, um, what you want to be known for and what your ideas are around your industry so that when people think about something, then they think of you.
0: (laughs) Yes. It's kind of, it's almost like, say you're out to dinner with friends or at a party and they're talking about a topic and you speak up and really share what you really truly think, or maybe even give like a controversial opinion. That's that's thought leadership as well, right? It's just standing up in your strength and saying, this is what I think about so on or yeah, it's the same thing, yeah. basically.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. And like we were saying before, how I said, you know, you don't need a brand strategy in the first few years of business. Like that's something that I believe in that other people in my industry might not. And maybe because they want to make a sale for someone who's just starting out. But that's an example. Or, for example, I'm very passionate about the fact that people need to have a brand strategy before they work on their marketing plan because they need to be clear on what the essence of their brand is and who they're talking to before. They can create a campaign because I've seen in the past when there's no strategy in place, it's really hard to get good results. So that's something that I like to talk about a lot because it's important to me and something that I have learned over the years and now, yeah, so I would consider that thought leadership, but it's just, yeah, I think thought leadership is just a scary way to say your areas of expertise or your what you believe to be true in your industry. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I had a client come to me who wanted was really keen to work with me because they loved my branding. And I guess some of the samples of work on my website and they were like, yes, you're the one for me. And then I was like, okay, thinking, I've got to make sure you're the one for me though. And then I asked them like a couple of kind of the key questions that I'd go through with anyone just to get them, just to get a feel for how they articulate, you know, what they do, who it's for, why it's extraordinary. And they struggled to answer those questions. And then I said, hang on a minute, I would love to write for you when you're ready, but um, I think you need to go and figure this stuff out, maybe with a brand coach. Um, Mm. Yes, I know what you're saying. It's got to come back to you got to get all those things right before you can go and do the fun stuff and go and build on it. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think it's people come to marketing, for example, or maybe for copywriting as well they come because they think that might be the issue and it's a band aid fix. And they're like, Oh, we need to fix that. But maybe if you just take a step back and look at what's happening underneath, it might not be, the problem might not be where you think it is.
0: Yes, exactly. You know? And if you just march ahead and do all this kind of stuff without being so like being ultra clear, concrete on the basic stuff, then you're going to end up with something that you actually don't want, but you'll figure that out in a really long, expensive route.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes. And I'm sure that you find, like, when someone's not clear on their strategy, it's so much harder to create copy for them because you have to figure the things out without them knowing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and you're kind of, like, doubling back and just doing some guesswork and putting pieces together that you think fit but and they don't even know. And, yeah, so I think... Yeah, well, any service brand probably has figured this out already, but yeah, you've just got to be clear on who you want to work with and who you don't so that you yeah. all this stuff fits and works together for the benefit of both of you, essentially.
1: Yeah. yeah, and the who you don't want to work with is an interesting one because I think people often ignore that and then they end up with clients who aren't aligned with what they want to do. And then that's part of the learning curve as well. But, yeah, really understanding who that is that you don't want to work with as well. I think that's that was a good point that you raised.
0: Yeah. Are there any kind of like, I don't know, common mistakes you see with content creation, just so people can kind of be aware of what not to do? Yeah, I think, well, you know, as I was
1: talking about content pillars, I think a lot of people, they get lazy with their content in terms of not sticking with their pillars and maybe just doing a happy Monday post or an inspirational quote that's not related to anything they're doing. It's, you know, when they realize they haven't done a post for a week and they're just scratching for whatever, Mm. and it doesn't actually give any benefit to their audience at all. And yeah, I think that's an important thing to note is you don't have to have content flowing all the time and it's best to Honestly, wait a couple of days and come up with a great piece of content. Then just put out anything that you feel like. Just because you haven't done a post in a while, it's time to do a post. So that is a common one that I see. Although I think people are getting a bit better over the last couple of years with that kind of thing because I'm seeing less happy Monday
0: posts on my <laughs> feed. Or the old the story. I just I just popped in and it's like if somebody says that. Quit it. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to jump on. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah um, so that that's a big one. And then, yeah, I guess the other thing, as I was saying is people who are just uh, leaving opportunities to repurpose content where they can and, you know, make the most of all the different channels that are out there at the moment, because um, yeah, there's, there's plenty to, plenty of free ways to reach your customers, which is amazing. So I think we're in a lucky time that we do have social media, you know, many social media channels where we can reach our audience without having to pay for it.
0: Yes. Unless it comes to ads. <laughs> yeah. I think ads are like probably a fallback for some people. But yeah, um, I don't know. Do you have any tips for reaching a new audience without paid ads?
1: Yeah. And I guess with paid ads, I believe that you need to have a strong, organic content strategy before you go into ads. And again, it's probably a band aid fix for a lot of people who are like, oh, I just need more eyes on my brand. I just want to pump some ads. But again, if you're not clear on your strategy or you're, organic content strategy, then it's really hard to get results with ads. But in terms of reaching new audiences, I think it's, again, it's a lot of just exploring different channels. And, you know, at the moment, it's a lot easier to reach people on certain channels. I know LinkedIn has a really great platform for an algorithm for being able to reach a lot of people. And that's because when you engage on a LinkedIn post, for example, if I was to like your post, all of my followers are going to see your post as well. Whereas on LinkedIn, oh, sorry, on Instagram, you don't get that anymore. So it's about exploring different channels. LinkedIn's a good one. TikTok's obviously a good one because it's still one of the new ones and the algorithm is pretty good if you show up consistently. But that's the thing. It's all about just creating content consistently and just sticking with it for a while because it's easy to give up. I know for podcasting for example people give up after a couple of episodes but you just have to hang in there be consistent and learn what works for your audience and yeah just get to know them on a deeper level
0: yeah I think for most people figuring out how to understand their audience and like just connect with them and ask what do you want what do you like what what didn't you like I think that's tricky for people to figure out do you think so
1: Mm. yeah it is and it again it takes time especially if someone doesn't have a huge client list at the moment and they're figuring out what their customer is thinking and what they're feeling. And that's the important thing is a lot of people say their customer is, you know, women aged between 20 and 40 who live in Melbourne, for example, but it's so much more than that. It's looking at, you know, what are their struggles in relation to your area of expertise and what are they, what keeps them up at night and what are they thinking about and what are they stressed about and what are they dreaming about? Like all of the emotional questions, which is hard to unpack when you don't have a lot of research in place. So I definitely suggest customer research. As you say, you can always pop on stories and ask questions and, and actually even have one on one conversations with your dream customer and really unpacking you know, what they need, how you can help them and yeah, where they're feeling now and what they want to feel and how you can help them get there.
0: Yeah, I think one thing I've seen that's a really smart way to do it is in your email, you can include, there's a brand called Straw Poll, and they have a free version. And it's basically, you can poll people in your within your email. And <gasps> It's just like people like to do polls. Like it's, it's like on an Instagram story when you're hitting yes or no or whatever the option is, but it's in the email. So not only do you get obviously more clicks into your email, which is like the data, it's nice for the data, Um, but people are engaging, they're connecting, uh-huh. and you're getting, you're pulling in answers about a particular question, maybe related to what you do, maybe related just for fun, like, you, but you're able to, to get some information that can then like you can in, kind of infuse into the, what you do next. So um, yeah, that's yeah. another way to get people to tell you what they want or think or feel or whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. I haven't heard of that email poll, but yeah, it's also interesting. A lot of people will do polls and it's the answers aren't what they expect. So it it reiterates the importance of doing a poll and undertaking the research because yeah, it's easy to come up with ideas in your head about what you think people want to hear Yes, But actually getting their answers is what will make the difference.
0: <laughs> yes. One thing that I offer to every client I work with is I'll do like a Zoom or an online survey, whatever's appropriate, with a couple of their dream customers so that I can talk directly to them and get like that voice of customer insight that, that I can then put back into the copy. A small business owner can do that too. Like just put mm-hmm. out an email or a story or whatever it is that's right for you and ask, can I have a one-on-one with you? I just want to ask 10 minutes of questions and then give them the kind of gift yeah. or whatever. Um, and often people don't even want the gift. They just love, if they love your brand, they're happy to give you that. People often think, how can I access my customers? Because I've got to know them, but just ask them, just say hello, who would like to have a, a good <laughs> chat with me or answer this questionnaire? And then you'll get the answers that you want. So it doesn't necessarily have to be um, a poll or an Instagram thing. It's literally just talking with them directly. That's always the op- an option.
1: <laughs> before, <it. laughs>
0: before we finish, I wanted to ask about... Um, imposter syndrome like I think we all get it but you do too right yes of course (laughs) how does it feel when you get it like I don't know what happens how do you deal with it tell me everything
1: (laughs) yeah I don't know I think it's something that everyone and especially business owners go through because you're kind of just winging it a lot of the time (laughs) and I definitely I think it's just a roller coaster. I definitely have weeks where I'm like, what am I doing? Like, this is so wild. (laughs) And other weeks where I'm like, I'm doing great. I'm in control. But, yeah, it's sometimes just some little things can set you off when it comes to imposter syndrome. And I'm definitely still managing how I deal with it. (laughs) But I think for me it's just finding My happy place and my strategies that always make me feel positive and inspired and energised. But something, piece of advice that I received was to print out testimonials from clients and just keep them in a little folder, not even like on your computer screen but in a little folder. So when you're feeling down, just like looking through them and just reflecting and being like, you know what, I actually am doing okay. I am doing my thing and I help people and I'm not just – questioning myself right now. I'm, I have testimonials to back it up or even just kind emails that clients send you at the end of working together. So I think it's important to have those things kept in a safe space so that when you do get into that negative mindset, you can pick yourself up a bit better. But yeah, again, for me, like going for a walk always puts me in a positive mindset. So if I'm struggling with something, I'm like, you know what? I just need to get out of the house, (laughs) regain myself and come back and I'm going to be fine.
0: I did that just before this recording, actually. How <laughs> oh, good! I walked around the block. I played with my dog. Got some coffee, and then I'm like, "Yeah, I'm good. I can keep going."
1: <laughs> yeah, it is, but it's hard to yeah figure out what that thing is for you when you run your own business, you don't have people around you to, to help bump you up. So, well, some people do, but when you work for yourself on your own and don't have a team, mm-hmm. it can be tricky, but I think it's something that will never go away. It's just about finding ways to manage it. I don't know. Is that what you, is
0: that what you think? Yes, absolutely. From my own experience yes. and from talking with other business owners and on like podcasting. Yes, it's absolutely right. We all get it. It comes and goes. And it's just about riding the wave, I think, and knowing how to manage it and, yeah, coming back to why you're doing this. Where do your best ideas hit you? Well, being on a
1: walk, I yep. think, fresh air, like with the getting the blood flowing, I, yeah, always just come up with my best ideas and I'm on a walk. So lucky I have a notes app where I just chuck everything know, I email myself while I'm on the walk and then I come back to it later. <laughs>
0: yes, I always email myself too. Either th- yeah. things I have to do, like my to-do list or like I'll come up with a word or a phrase and I'm like, yes, I need to use that there or a great idea about, I don't know, my next email campaign or something. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, what are some of your favourite brands who are doing all the brandy things right?
1: Mm, yeah, so my favourite one is a classic but it's go-to skincare. <laughs> um, they're just nailing everything and I think it comes back to as well the problem that they were solving, which was that skincare was a really scary expensive thing place for an everyday girl who just wanted clean skin (laughs) and now they've created yeah a go-to brand that really solves the problem that makes skincare fun their tone of voice as I'm sure you can appreciate is amazing you feel like you're kind of living and breathing Zoe Foster Blake's voice as well which is an inspiration for a lot of people and yeah now they've just done you know they've extended into male products and babies and and children's products as well. So they've really nailed their core brand and now their brand extensions are nailing it as well. So I can't wait to see where the future of their brand goes because it's unstoppable at this point from my eyes. So I could talk about them for days, but I'm sure you can appreciate their tone of voice and their brand personality is just, um, yeah, next level. And yeah. when I, you know, I asked this question on my podcast as well and a lot of people come back to go to skincare because it stands out as just that that everyday product that people love and makes it a little bit fun.
0: <laughs> yes, I think pretty much every second client says to me, "Oh, make me sound like go to. I love the tone of voice." <laughs> yes, I'm sure you do get that. <laughs> yes. Um, what's the biggest risk you've taken in your business? Is it setting mm. up that new service or is it starting business altogether?
1: <laughs> I think it's starting it all together and just going full time, which is still you know recent for me, but it is because you go from having that regular paycheck where you know exactly what amounts coming in every fortnight to all of a sudden it just being a roller coaster and you don't know some weeks you'll have a great week, some weeks you won't. So it's, yeah, it's the financial side of things, but also the emotional side of things and keeping yourself accountable. So it is a huge risk, but yeah, definitely one that I will never regret.
0: Awesome. Um, Yeah your top tip for a businesswoman doubting herself right now?
1: Oh, that's a good one. Um, Yeah, I would say, you know what, get out of the home office, go spend a day with someone you love and someone who cares about you. Do something fun that really lights you up and you you, you know what those things are. But actually getting out of your work zone and taking time for yourself, I think is the best way to get over self doubt. And as I said, spending time with people who, you know, will lift you up and will make you feel better and will make you grateful for the decisions that you've made. So yeah, I think that's something that has helped me when I'm at a low point, really stepping away
0: and yeah,
1: making time for the things that matter.
0: Yes. And surrounding yourself with people who build you up, not like drag you down. (laughs) Yes. So important. Where can we go to find you online, Darby? Yes, so
1: uh, my website is darbylinden.com. My Instagram is darbylinden and my podcast is Brand Chats. So they're my three kind of go-to places
0: at the moment. Thanks, Darby. You are so awesome. Thanks for listening to Rise and Shine. Please leave a review and subscribe so we can spread the love to more brave, business-minded women like you. You can find me online at shinecoffee.com.au.